Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next hour and a half, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas. I want all your opinions. And, of course, I want all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, the number to call, 646 727 You can listen to the show, com. Slash pecan, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForitCan, G O F O R I T G A N T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rove. We're going to get Willie's Rove, uh, Willie's take on the NFL draft. Um, you know, just uh, his his thoughts, his ideas leading up to the draft, and, you know, what, what it felt like when that name was called. And then when he said, when they said, uh, with, with the the where where to really go? But whenever they called his name, you know, and, and his reaction when he heard his name being called, obviously it had to be a very exciting pick. With the eighth pick in the 1993 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select with really rough. We're going to talk to him about that. Also, Todd Stucy will be joining us, former offensive tackle for the Rams, Vikings, and a few other teams. But Todd is going to. I'll talk about his app, Scout Site, which is out. Uh, I tried to download the app. I couldn't download the app. I had some issues uh, with my iTunes and everything, but we're going to talk to Todd about that as well. And also, uh, BoxingScene.com's Cliff Rold will be joining us. We're going to get Cliff's take on the big fight, Mayweather-Pacquiao. It's finally here. Can you believe it? It's finally here, Mayweather-Pacquiao, Saturday night, May 2nd, MGM Grand, Las Vegas, Nevada. This will determine, possibly, who is the best fighter in this era of boxing. So it's exciting, man. I mean, you got the NFL draft. You got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Kentucky Derby, Mayweather Pacquiao. I said this last week. I said it two weeks ago. I keep reiterating it. May 2nd is going to be a great day if you're a sports fan. May 2nd is a great day to be alive if you're a sports fan. If you're going to die, make sure you're a sports fan, make sure you die on May 3rd. Because May 2nd is the day. Mayweather Pacquiao, a fight, and that's where we're going to start, a fight we've been waiting for for a long, long time. What, about six years we've been waiting for this encounter. And, you know, you got the sense over the years that possibly – it wasn't going to happen. But I got the sense when this last negotiation started that it was going to happen for the simple fact that they need each other at this point in time. Never uh, before had they needed each other the way they need each other now. Pacquiao's pay-per-view numbers down. Even Floyd, even though he's still a pay-per-view superstar and the best, you know, in terms of uh, pay-per-view sales, he's the best. But even him had a, a slight decline. And then it came to a point, what was the public going to buy? Was the public going to buy Mayweather Amir Khan for May 2nd? I don't think so. Was the public going to buy 
uh, what is, uh, May, uh, Pacquiao, uh, Jesse Vargas? I don't think so. So this fight had to happen. This fight did happen. And as we go through the course, we're going to talk about this fight. We're going to get to a bunch of other things. We're, we're going to talk about the NFL draft and Shane Wright. How stupid can you be? How stupid can you be? Mariota, where's he going? We'll talk about that as we get throughout the course of the show. The NBA playoffs hot and heavy. We'll talk about that. Talk about what we saw last night and what we could see in the next few days moving forward. But back to Mayweather Pacquiao. I mean, this is a fight that we've been waiting for. I mean, and, and you know, like I said, during this last negotiation, you knew it was going to happen. So I wasn't surprised. I actually thought it was going to be announced Super Bowl weekend. I, I thought it would be announced right then and there. And this, quite frankly, is not bigger than the Super Bowl, but it's just as big as the Super Bowl. I mean, everybody you talk to, Mayweather Pacquiao party, Mayweather Pacquiao fight party. You having a fight party? Yeah, Mayweather Pacquiao fight party. Really? Mayweather Pacquiao fight party? Oh, okay. So everybody and their mamas are having a Mayweather Pacquiao fight party. You name it, they're having it. So their fight parties galore. You have if you have enough friends, you have the, your your pick. You're picking a litter. And at this point, I'm on the fence of what I'm going to do. I'm debating whether I'm going to stay home and watch it. Debating I'm going to go to a friend's house. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Side of me wants to stay home, watch it, because it's, a late, it's going to be a late night. Watch it at home. And in the process, in the process, in terms of watching it at home, you know, I, I, I want to be able to watch it one thirty when the fight's probably going to end, one one thirty. Watch it, watch it in peace, be able to concentrate, focus, not have everybody yelling, screaming, hooting, hollering. I want to be able to watch it and while while I watch it, I want to also be able to dissect it, be able to focus, be able to concentrate, and also see some posts. You know, the ESPN is rolling out the, 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 the red carpet there. They're there. So I want to get a little post as well. So I, I'm debating what I want to do. Do I want to get home at 3 o'clock in the morning? Do I, or do I want to go to bed at one two at one thirty, maybe 2 o'clock in the morning and just relax? And at the same time, see some post games. Do I want to save $100? I mean, I've I bought all of Mayweather's pay-per-views the last few years, at least everything on this Showtime contract. I mean, I bought Canelo. I bought Guerrero. I bought both Maidana fights. So, I obviously, this is a fight that you've waited and abated and lusted for. I mean, I lusted for this fight. I truly lusted for this fight, and I, I, I'm, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. I, I can't even talk right now. That's how excited I. I can't believe as I wake up, as I woke up this morning, and as I'm sitting here right now, three days till this fight, three days, three days until the bell rings and these two guys, Mayweather Packer, finally in the center of the ring. Duking it out. You know, we had all the fantasies, and, you know, we, 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 we talked about all the scenarios. We talked about Floyd's speed, Manny's speed, who's faster, 
who has the power. We talked about it all. But now it's time for these two combatants to get into the ring. We had the issue with the tickets. Tickets just got on sale, what, last week? Last Thursday, what, tickets just got on sale about, what, 500 made to the public? That just got on sale, the tickets. What a fiasco with that. I mean, you, what, you had, what, a couple weeks ago, before, what, maybe a week ago before that, you know, contracts supposedly weren't all signed. And, and, I mean, it was just, you know, a, a bunch of different things leading up to this. I mean, you know, and this whole process of getting these guys together to finally make this happen, Les Moonves of CBS, Bob Arum, Al Heyman, all those guys, Steven Espinosa, all those guys, uh, uh, Hirschman from uh, HBO, all these guys coming together to finally make this thing happen. Showtime and HBO working together. That had to be ironed out, sorted out, figured out. I mean, all these things had to be ironed out, figured out, sorted out in order for this fight to happen. All these things had to be figured out. And I'm not, you know, it it is what it is. It's done. I'm happy. I'm glad it's all sorted out, figured out, and and I'm I'm glad we, we, we come to some kind of resolution. I really am. But this fight took a long time to be made. And I know as we, and I'm going to get to this, you know, and I talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. You know, the notion of, of good and evil when it comes to Floyd Mayweather and, you know, Floyd not being a quote-unquote good guy. And I'm not saying Floyd Mayweather is the ideal person. I'm not saying that at all. I mean, Floyd Mayweather has had some brushes with the law. Floyd Mayweather has had some issues in terms of keeping his hands to himself when it comes to females. He's had that issue. There's no doubt about that. There's no denying that. And there's no questioning that. It is what it is at this point in time. It's not acceptable by no stretch of the imagination. It's never acceptable. It's not. But, you know, Floyd Mayweather, and we, I'll get to this later, but it's not acceptable for, for him to do those type of things, obviously. And maybe if he was in another sport, he wouldn't be fighting today. Maybe. Because we know boxing, it's really, in a lot of ways, the wild, wild west. But, you know, enough of that. Let's go to the NBA playoffs, and we'll, we'll get back to that. I'm gonna, you're going to get my take on that. Mayweather, this notion of good and evil, Mayweather being the bad guy, uh, Pacquiao being the good guy. We'll get to that in a moment. But last night in the NBA, we saw some great basketball, man. We, we, we saw some great basketball. The Clippers and the San Antonio Spurs, it came down to the end. What a contest. What a game. I mean, what, what a game. What a series at this point in time. I mean, those teams went back and forth last night. It was a battle. And here's the thing. You know, you're the Clippers. You come off a big game for victory in San Antonio. You got to get that in L.A. You got to get that game. You got to get up 3-2 on the Spurs. You got to. You have an opportunity to, to put Pop and the Spurs away. You got to get on, to, get on top of them. That's a game you got to win. I'm not saying that would have put the Spurs away. But what I'm saying is that would give you a great opportunity to win that series 
it also gives you uh, a little wiggle room just in case you hiccup in game six. It gives you a little wiggle room. And so you look at the game last night, old man Riverwalk, Tim Duncan, what a block shot that was. I mean, him blocking that shot late in that contest, that was a big play. What a big basketball play that was by Tim Duncan. Blake Griffin going into the lane. You know, Tim Duncan right there denying him. No, no, no. What a play by Duncan. What a defensive play by Duncan. He denies it. And then, you know, Clippers have another opportunity. Blake Griffin with the floater. And DeAndre Jordan touches the ball. And unfortunately, it it was still in the cylinder, and unfortunately for for everybody associated with that, for everybody associated with that, you know, it it was, that was it. That was a tough situation, and no, it wasn't it. You know, the Spurs on the free throw line, they missed the free throw, and it's inexcusable for anybody to allow the the other team to get the the rebound on uh, on a free throw. You have all the advantages. You have all the advantages as the, uh, the defending team. You have all the advantages there. So to allow somebody to get that offensive rebound is tough. It's inexcusable. And they got the offensive rebound, and that pretty much salted the ball game away. That salted the game away. And how about uh, Chris Paul getting that technical late in the game? I think if you're the official, you look the other way in that particular situation. Four minutes to go in that ball game. Game five, uh, NBA playoffs, you know, so much at stake. You know, game five winner usually wins the series. So much at stake. Spurs win. They go back to San Antonio with an opportunity to close them out. So much at stake, and you call a technical at that point in time. I didn't like it. I didn't like the call. I didn't like you look the other way, I think, if you're the ref in that particular situation. Those points cost games. All points matter down the stretch in the playoffs. All matters. It matters. And the Spurs continue with the hack of Jordan. Hack of Jordan. And they're going to continue with hack of Jordan. And you could call it Bush League. You can say the leagues should do something in terms of changing the rules, so on and so forth. You can do it, so on and so forth. You can do all those different rules, so on and so forth, but at the end of the day, I, I, Chris Weber, I believe, said it well. He doesn't believe the rules should be changed because you know what? He believes guys should go up there and knock the free throws down. If they're, they're giving you an opportunity for free points, you have to take advantage of the free points. DeAndre Jordan missed nine free throws last night. You have to take advantage of the free point. They're sending you to the line, sending you to the line with the opportunity to sink free throws. You have to sink those free throws. They didn't do it. They didn't sink the free throws, and it cost them the game. you got to sink the free throws in that particular situation. You got to do it. And if you don't, you go home, and there's a possibility the Clippers could go home. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 
Faison, welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> okay. Hey, what up? That. It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. We're back. We're going to bring the guy. We brought this guy in a few weeks ago. He has, he has this great app that's out right now for you to download. Make sure you go on iTunes and download Sky, uh, Scout Site. Excuse me, can't even talk. Scout Site, make sure you go on down, uh, iTunes and download this app. This is a great app. NFL Draft is here. It's finally here. All the rumors that you hear, all, all, everything that you're, all the, all the various things that you're hearing about the NFL draft is finally here. No more rumors. At some point tomorrow, we're going to figure out who's going number one, two, and all the way through the NFL draft. It's going to be exciting, and I can't wait. We're going to bring in a guy now. This is a great app, a great, great app. Make sure you go out there and download it. Uh, a scout site, download this app. This is a great app, especially for you draft Knicks and you fantasy lovers. We're going to bring him in now, former NFL offensive tackle, Todd Stucy. Todd. Hey, thanks for having me, Paul. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Well, Todd, uh, let's get yeah, right no. down to it. Scout site launched last week. What kind of reviews have you been getting? No, we've gotten some uh, uh, really, really positive reviews. The uh, the only pushback is it's not available on Android. So, uh, no, but as far as the actual um app uh scout site like you said site like vision so s-i-g-h-t it's available on the app store download it's completely free there's no in-app purchases it's uh just our first opportunity to kind of get the fans to get to know us a little bit and for us to get to know the fans and um we're uh we're excited about it it's been a long time coming been a lot of work hard work put into it but uh it uh i think really the biggest response is people have been surprised that something like this is available and uh, that fans could interact with it on a mobile device. It's uh, uh, it's very powerful. Uh, probably a good way of describing what it does is maybe to get into a uh, uh, like a use case of, uh, for an individual fan. So let's say uh, you're a Saints fan, and what you're really curious about is whether or not uh, – um, Sean Payton and company can wind up replacing Jimmy Graham in uh, in the draft because they haven't done it in free agency yet, and so they wind up uh, they they can uh, go into the app and basically look up uh, 
Jimmy Graham on the app, uh, either by year, college, team, etc., and be able to then quickly at a swipe of a finger pull, pulling Jimmy Graham's uh, banner up to the top of the screen that kicks in the similarity algorithm that basically takes in um, all the college player stats, etc. Because what, what this algorithm does is allows you to map or match players at the current state prospects today to current players in the NFL and vice versa. So based on kind of a snapshot of guys coming out in the NFL uh, or into the NFL draft, what guys looked a lot like them when they were coming out of college. So you pull up Jimmy Graham and it's going to come up with a bunch of players. Some might've already been drafted in other years. And uh, some, uh, some guys might be coming in from the prospects of the current tight end class. And so being able to, interact with that you also can wind up filtering and sorting like if i wanted to look at another case might be i want to look at uh james winston and see whether or not those 18 interceptions are really like is that historically high or is that just high for this draft class mm-hmm. with scout site you can sort the last 10 years of nfl drafts on any statistic and be able to uh better understand kind of the historical significance of different stats and, and to me, that's the beauty of it. I, I, that, to me, is the fun part of it, is that you can go back and kind of compare and contrast various players from various years. And to me, that's the fun part about it. It's kind of it's nostalgic in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's something that we definitely built it for fans to be able to interact really, really quickly. I mean, it's a really robust database that allows, uh, I mean, it's like one second it returns a result. Uh, we really have uh, made sure that in the limited time in an NFL uh, draft nowadays, people can't be waiting for the little spinning ball to come up with the result. And so um, to be able to interact with the information when you hear Mel Kuyper or uh, the different uh, uh, draft experts bring up three different guys that your team might be considering, you know what, before that pick you can have – you can have all three players' stats saved to a notebook that you can pop in and out of and look at him, whether it be for this pick and or the next round pick, be able to to jump right back to where you once were. We're talking to former NFL offensive tackle Todd Stucey, and Todd has a great app out right now, Scout Site. Make sure you go to iTunes.com and uh, download this uh, great app, Scout Site, S-C-O-U-T-S-I-G-H-T, Scout Site Support. Todd Stucy. Now, Todd, yeah. you know, if anyone fans, has a problem, one, one thing just to note, we have a website, Scout Site App, ABP, and uh, if you go to that, there's a link on that site uh, that will take you directly to the App Store. So if anyone has a hard time finding it, that's just uh, the simple approach. It'll take you right there, and you'll be right where you need to be. Now, this, this app can also help fantasy players as well. Tell us about that. No, absolutely. So uh, for a lot of people that are really just gung-ho about their fantasy team, they want to make up for uh, a subpar season. And uh, you know what? Tomorrow is the first day of fantasy football in a lot of ways. It's it's your first chance to kind of get a chance to see what, say, tight end goes to the Saints, knowing that, uh, that uh, Drew Brees tends to do a pretty good job of leveraging uh, his tight end in that system. Uh Chances are that guy might be a fancy prospect based on his how much he gets utilized in college, et cetera. Being able to interact with the data, do your initial research, save these guys to 
to uh, notebooks that were coming out with uh, fantasy optimization tools, basically help you succeed in whatever, whatever fantasy league you play in. And all of the functionality of the saved notebooks, et cetera, those are all easily imported into the next-gen app that will be coming out in this August. So um, it makes sense to obviously get started now, do your research, um, get your uh, initial thoughts down in, in the notebooks, and get ready for, uh, for fantasy starting today. For sure. I know I asked you last month, Todd, Winston or Mariota, you basically said neither. Do you still feel that way? <laughs> no, I mean, I, if you no, know, if I'm Tampa and I, I there's no adequate trade down, I, I say Winston. I like the guy's confidence. I mean, the guy's just uh, strong belief in himself, and uh, I think that that will carry him a good amount of ways. He's uh, in some ways he reminds me of a, maybe a little slower Cam Newton, and Cam was able to come in and compete right away, and so. Um, I, uh, I'm still a big fan of trading down, but if I was forced to it, uh, Winston would be my choice. We're talking to former Viking, former uh, Ram offensive tackle, Todd Stucy. Now, Todd, back in 1994, your name was called number 19 by the Minnesota Vikings. What was your reaction back then when you heard your name? Surprise, because uh, I, I wasn't actually called uh, by the Vikings prior to the pick. A lot of times that's the case, and there's a, a a trade that was being negotiated between the Vikings and I think it was uh, 49ers and they weren't okay. able to come to terms and so in the end they picked me and uh, I uh, but I didn't get the luxury of a call to kind of uh, give me a little bit of heads up before the name was announced by Tagliabue on on ESPN so um, and then from there it was pretty much a a whirlwind of getting out to Minnesota and meeting everyone and kind of my NFL journey began. What was that day like, the day before? Like, I mean, were, were you able to sleep at all? I always sleep well. I don't know why. I just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think just long, hard days. And, uh, I, um, no, I, biggest thing I knew that, you know, the decision was going to be made without my input one way or another. So no need to stress over it. The, the day would clarify itself. And I was, uh, I didn't really have any, preconception on when I was going a decent chance I was going in the first round but uh, I think I might have been a little bit more stressed if I would have slid to 30 or 35 <laughs> I mean I definitely feel for a guy like Aaron Rodgers and right. I was uh, watching a show on it on the NFL Network last night where they were talking they were documenting uh, Marino's slide back in 83 I think it was and uh, I mean a guy like Dan Marino to see a bunch of guys like Todd Blackledge get picked up in front of him. That, that's obviously uh, for a guy that was one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I mean, there's another guy that got picked up from like UC Davis. I mean, it was just kind of weird circumstances. So I didn't have, I didn't have to worry about that. So that made my day a little easier. Todd, I want to ask you this. We, we saw the situation yesterday with uh, Shane Ray, uh, a guy preparing for the NFL draft. Two days before the draft, he gets cited for marijuana possession What's your thoughts on when when you hear stories like that? This close to the draft. You know what? There, I I think that every man that lived past the age of twenty three probably lived past some really stupid decisions and didn't get caught for them. So, right. uh, I mean, at that age, are you going to make plenty of bad decisions? But obviously, when you 
think back to he, I guess, had one positive drug test like his freshman year. And to just be so close to what his goal is, obviously to get drafted and probably at a pretty high level, to wind up letting that kind of bad decisions creep in at that point in your life, it does definitely make you question, uh, does he have his head on screwed on straight? But uh, I wouldn't say that – I think he'll probably slide just enough that – um, I would be a team if I was a team making the decision and he slid into the second round somewhere uh, and I had him as a first round talent. Um, I, I would, I would consider that pick. And, and could it be also be a possibility, like you said, you know, uh, when you're young to be young is to be stupid in a lot of ways. Yeah. Is it possible that maybe, maybe the pressure, the pressure got to him? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously it, I think anyone would be naive to think that, you know what, he, he hasn't smoked any pot since his freshman year, and right. he uh, he bought it that night because he was under so much pressure. I mean, it's, uh, you're painting yourself a pretty picture there. I think most likely it's something that um, he was doing, he was uh, continuing to do, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you – take into context, but I don't think one thing like that really determines the man, uh, determines the player. And, uh, it's just it's a part of the overall evaluation. For some people, it's a black flag, and for others, it's a kind of a blemish. And I probably look at the blemish more than anything. Now, if it was if he wasn't driving while intoxicated, I think that's a different deal. My understanding was it's just possession. Right. Yeah, it's just possession for sure. So yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's just uh, a blip on the radar, and he's able to bounce back and yeah. have. Success. I tell my kids it's very difficult to learn from, like when things go well. Uh, the true test of a man, a character of a person, is what do you do when when things get hard? When you when you uh, have something almost taken away from you, or um, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to this, and uh, if he slips back into the same old, same old, or if it kind of changes him as a person. Now, Todd, before we go, tell us all the places that we can get this app, Scout Site. Absolutely. Once again, entirely free, no in-app purchases, uh, no uh, nothing of the kind. You can go first to our promo website, which is scoutsiteapp.com, so S-C-O-U-T-S-I-G-H-T-A-P-P.com. The other way is you can go to the, um, to the app store, uh, for iOS, uh, so Apple phone or uh, the uh, – um, it'll also work on an iPad, although it's optimized for the iPhone. And you can just search for Scout Site or you can search NFL Draft, uh, both of those. Uh, it's coming up right now. And uh, I think fans will just – I mean, they'll, they'll enjoy it. I think it will be a, a great second screen have on your lap while you're watching the game, be able to pull up information, be able to – uh, gleam insights and uh, just enhance the overall draft experience. For sure. Fans, also make sure you go to his Twitter page, at Todd Stussy, and also go to the uh, Twitter page for Scout Site, at Scout Site, S-C-O-U-T-S-I-G-H-T. Todd, yeah. and, pleasure talking hey, to you. One last thing, we are, we're on the on Twitter right now. We're, we're, uh, we've been, for the last week, we've been putting up, uh, we're doing an NFL countdown for draft we're rating the last 10 years of drafts for every pick from 255 down to one. 
I think we're like at 65 right now or something like that. And we're also kind of doing like now, once we get to the end of the third round, we, we give you like the best of third round. It's a really cool graphical representation of, uh, of uh, comparisons on by the pick and by the round. And I, I encourage everyone to go check it out at scout site, uh, uh, Twitter, also Facebook and on my Twitter uh, handle, which is Todd Stussy. Todd. Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Paul. Take care. You too. Thanks. Todd Stussy, former offensive tackle, played for the Rams, uh, played for the Vikings, uh, had a few other stops as well. So make sure you go to his website. I mean, go to the uh, the, uh, Twitter, at Todd Stussy. Also go to the Scout site Twitter, uh, at Scout site, S-C-O-U-T-S-I-G-H-T, also, also go to iTunes and uh, download Scout Site on iTunes. You won't be disappointed at all. Shane Wright, uh, we talked about a little bit with Todd. I mean, and, and, and Todd is right. I mean, you know, it happens. In, in the midst of life, in the, in the midst of being young, in the midst of just living, you do stupid things. And, and you know, everybody can look at their lives and say, I can't believe I did that when I did that at this time. I, I can't believe I did that at this point in time. Why would I do such a dumb thing at that point, at this point in time, with all I have to do, with all I have to do, with all that is, is at stake for me, why would I do that? Why would I do that? And, and I think that's what Shane Ray is looking at right now, after all, and uh, all that's at stake for him, all that's at stake, you know, an opportunity of a lifetime to play in a National Football League, an opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, you're, the, you're a first-rounder. You were expected to be a first-rounder, so now you may have cost yourself a few dollars. That's not good. That's not good. And so you feel for Shane Ray. You hope that it's just a mistake that he can overcome. You, you just hope that he'll learn from this mistake. Maybe it's pressure. Maybe it's pressure. Pressure has a way of making people do things that they normally wouldn't do. Maybe it's pressure. Maybe he just used poor judgment and just was just a, a, a just momentary insanity. Or maybe this is who he is. A guy who's, you know, a guy that you have to watch out for. And I know he was having issues with his toe, and there's a possibility he could be out for an extended period of time anyway. But when you have this situation, an opportunity of a lifetime, and, you know, you you have a chance to, to change the life, lives, change your life and change lives, change the lives of, of others in your family, you got to be able to do better and be better. And Shane Ray wasn't better yesterday. He was bad. Not a good situation. Not a good look. But, again, you hope that he learned. He learns from it. He, he said in the statement, I'd like to apologize to my mother, fans, and prospective NFL teams for my poor judgment Monday morning. I'm embarrassed and realize there are consequences for my actions. I was not under the influence nor impaired. Therefore, I was not detained. Fortunately, Monday's incident only resulted in a citation. I will make better choices in the future. And hopefully that's the case. Hopefully uh, Shane Ray will make better choices. Hopefully Shane Ray 
will become a better person from this. I mean, that's all you can wish for. That's all you can hope for at this point in time. You know, that's all, that's all you can hope for. And, you know, I, I wish Shane Ray nothing but the best of luck, but this is, may affect his draft stock. This may cost him money. And this may, you know, you, you get that first round money and, you know, more guaranteed dollars. I mean, this guy was, uh, you know, he ranks as the 17th overall pra- uh, prospect, according to Scout Inc. So he, he's up there, obviously. He's a first round, first round talent, first round ability. But after this decision, does he have a first-round head? And that is going to be interesting, how far he drops. Or if he drops at all, I can't imagine him not dropping. I can't imagine him not dropping. But it's an unfortunate situation to be caught with marijuana just right before the draft. Right before the draft. Now. I mean, you talk about the... The, the poor timing award. The poor timing award goes to Shane Ray. I mean, uh, you what? Randy Gregory tested positive for marijuana at the combine. I mean, you this you're on a job interview pretty much. This is you know you, you're trying to impress your prospective employers, and you out there getting cited for marijuana. You Randy Gregory. Oh, well, Shane Ray's uh, marijuana possession, and you, Randy Gregory, testing positive for marijuana at the Combine, your job interview. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, I, I it's kind of mind-boggling to think that a man with this much to lose This much to lose, so much to lose, would make a decision like that. To make a decision like that, that's it's sad. It's unfortunate. And, again, you hope that this man, this young man, Shane Ray, hopefully this will be the last time we hear from Shane Ray in this, uh, in, in this way. Hopefully Shane Ray will have learned a valuable lesson. Hopefully Shane Ray will realize that this was stupid, this was dumb, and that he'll never repeat this again. Because this is the NFL now. And in the National Football League, you know, a big part of ability is availability. And if you're messing around, if you're being a fool, if you're – uh, getting caught with marijuana, if you're smoking marijuana, if you're doing God knows what, if you're doing God knows what, you're not going to be available for your team. So, therefore, you hamper your team, you hurt your team by you doing what you do. That's what, I mean, you hurt your team. You hurt your team and you hurt yourself, more importantly. Nothing more, there's nothing worse in life to hurt than hurting yourself. I mean, it's, it's one thing. It's not acceptable to hurt anybody. But when you hurt yourself, it's not good. It's not good at all. And Shane Ray smoking weed this close to the NFL draft hurts himself. Hopefully Shane Ray learns a valuable lesson from it. NFL draft, as we say, tomorrow. 
and the big name is Marcus Mariota. I mean, you, you get the sense, well, there's, you know, you don't know Tampa how high Tampa is on Mariota, but all the mock drafts that I'm seeing has Winston going number one. The only question at this point is Mariota. Now, if he goes two, is he going to Tennessee to stay? Is he going to Tennessee in a trade? Where is he going? Is he going to Philly? Is he going to San Diego? Will the Jets move up and try to get Mariota? Where is he going? The Browns are rumored and interested in Marcus Mariota. Do the Browns get their hands on Marcus Mariota? It's it's a lot going on. And obviously this is the time where you're going to hear rumor after rumor after rumor after rumor after rumor. That's it. Store rumor after rumor after rumor. You're going to hear it. The rumors won't stop. The rumors will continue until we finally get to the point. Until we finally get to the point. And we know what the point is. The point is when we hear the name of Marcus Mariota. Browns are trying to get up. Browns are, are trying to move their 12th and 19th, and we'll see if it's enough. We'll see if it's enough, see if they have to throw in more. But obviously the Cleveland Browns, you know, last what the, the last four years. This will make the third quarterback in the last four years. You got Brandon Weeden, old man Weeding. Weeding, they tried that didn't work. Johnny Heisman, they tried. Obviously that didn't work. And now their last. Well, they still need a quarterback. They have Josh McCown on the roster, but he's he's not the guy. He's not the guy for the future. He's the guy for now. He's the guy. He's a bridge, if you will. That's all he is. He's a bridge. So now you still need a quarterback. And Cleveland has to get find a way to get a quarterback. I know there was some talk that they had some interest in uh, Sam Bradford at some point in time. Maybe that's a situation that will be revisited with the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe Cleveland, if they don't get their hands on Mariota, will decide to, to throw a pick or throw whatever at the Philadelphia Eagles to get Sam Bradford. Maybe. Who knows? You know, but we're we're right now on speculation. You know, I, I I've been hearing for months about Philadelphia and what they might do. Months. Time will tell what they may do. But we're going to switch gears now. We're going to go back to Mayweather, Pacquiao, Saturday night, MGM Grand Casino. It's finally here. I can't believe it. We're going to bring in a guy now to talk about. It. Let's bring him in now. BoxingScene.com writer Cliff Rold. Good evening, Paul. How you doing? How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Can you hear me okay? I hear you just fine. Fantastic. Three Always days away from you. the fight. Can, can you believe Three what days, I'm actually man. saying that? Can you believe I it? Can, you know, it's funny. Uh, for this week, um, it, it kind of was just a thing. Uh, but I think maybe it was yesterday I was watching the ESPN Sports Center special that was on for an hour last night. And it reminded me of what it was like to get ready for big fights when I was a kid. It reminded me of getting, you know, all the news coverage that you would get for things like Tyson Holyfield. It reminded me of the night Hagler fought Leonard and CNN every three minutes would cut in and give you the round-by-round summary. It reminded me of all of that, and it felt like old times. And I'm really excited for Saturday now. I can't wait. I mean, I've been waiting for this, obviously, for a long time. What does this fight mean to the sport of boxing? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know what it means to – boxing is such a unique animal. 
it's an event-based sport. So long-term, what does it mean? It's hard to say. But I think it's at least a validation that while it is five years late, this fight didn't fail to happen. It's not Riddick Bowen, Lennox Lewis. You know, it's not one of those big fights that just got away from us. It's late, but it's not too late. Uh, and we didn't get it, you know, when both of them are in their 40s and, and, you know, no longer part of the title scene. We're getting it while they're still the two best welterweights in the world. So, you know, that's a very exciting thing. Now, obviously, as we said, it's been a long time coming, five years to be exact. Is this fight bigger now than it would have been, say, in 2010? I don't think so. I think you'd have been looking at, at basically the same business. Um, I'm not sure that it wouldn't still have been bigger five years ago because of the sort of fever pitch. Um, I think it took a while for this promotion to get going, whereas in 2010, it would have had all that momentum coming off of Mayweather and Marquez and Pacquiao and Cotto. You don't have the same sort of momentum here, but I think there's still a level of excitement because of how long people have waited. I, I think it's a different type of anticipation. We're talking to BoxingScene.com's writer, Cliff Rolden. Cliff, you know, last week we had the whole situation with the tickets, and, and finally the tickets are finally on sale. Your thoughts on that? Uh, he, look, the, John Q. Public was never going to this fight. You know, sure. I, it, I, they weren't. They, they don't. They, let, let's not kid ourselves. Boxing, uh, its biggest events have always been a very tough ticket. And it's always been, you know, the, there's always that sort of bizarre spectacle of very wealthy people who pay to see people who started often in very poor backgrounds fighting to become rich in front of them. And at the highest levels, it's always been about that. You can go back and look at, you know, old old pictures and film of fights like Fitzsimmons and Corbett or Johnson and, and Ketchell, and you'll see people in top hat and tails in the front row. You know, they weren't rocking top hat and tails because they were working at the at the meat mill down the street. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you, you come forward to the – I mean, you know, there's all those legends. You know, Frank Sinatra took pictures for Life magazine to get into Ali Frazier. And you go back and, and you know, in Tyson Holyfield, who, what's the big face that you see? You know, when Tyson gets dropped in round six, you can see Captain Kirk, William Shatner, sitting right there at ringside, mouth agape. That's the level of people who go to ringside. That's also part of the allure of the sport. It's a gla- that there's a glamour at the highest levels. When I was a kid, when Sugar Ray Leonard was fighting, you know, it was Jack Nicholson and Magic Johnson, and in the pre-fight, you know, they were out in the crowd interviewing Bill Cosby at the Mike Tyson fights, and and all the big superstars of the day. Jordan was weighing in on it. That's always been part of boxing, and the biggest fights were always the toughest tickets. Um, that happened here too. I think the the bigger concern is how long it took to get the closed circuit tickets out. You had people who wanted to travel to the fight. I'm disappointed for them if they weren't able to get into the closed circuit, but hey, you know, I mean, there's worse fates in life than having to stay home and watch it on a big TV with your buddy. For sure. Cliff, let me ask you this. Manny Pacquiao wins if this happens. Ask me again? Manny Pacquiao wins if this happens. What has to happen for Manny Pacquiao to win? For Manny Pacquiao to win, he's got to get on Floyd early and confuse him with angles, and he's got to steal rounds in the end. He's got to be patient. Um, he can't walk into huge, you know, counter right hands. He can't walk. He, he can't leave himself open to the because Floyd's got a nice left hook that people don't look at. Um, he's also got that long right hand to the body. Uh, Manny's got to to continue to go left to right and and not you know leave himself open to to be constantly reset with the right hand to the body. Floyd Mayweather wins if this happens. Floyd Mayweather wins if he can dictate the space of the fight. So if Floyd can make Manny come to him when he wants to. 
And if he can go forward and force Manny Pacquiao backwards when he wants to, then Floyd Mayweather dictates the geography of the fight. He's longer. He's taller. He's naturally a little bit bigger. Um, I'm not sure who, who has the speed edge. It's hard to gauge that until you see them in the ring together, like how each man's speed counteracts the other. But these are two very fast fighters. So if Floyd controls the geography, then any adjustments he makes after he gets a look at Manny Pacquiao will you know, determine the outcome of the fight in his favor. Now, Cliff, you have this great event coming up, Mayweather-Pacquiao. You also see boxing on TV now with PBC, Al Heyman, and everything with that. Is the future of boxing bright right now, especially with all the the, the box with the, all the fights? Excuse me, on national TV. I don't know if it's bright. It's more hopeful than it's been in a long time. The thing about PBC is, until people start paying PBC to air fight, it's not right. you know it's not fully a success. But you have to consider it a success on this level. You know, the I think the peak viewership for Danny Garcia, Lamont Peterson was between three and four million people, and you'll hear you know an argument about well. As a percentage of the potential audience, HBO is still getting a high. That's all a bunch of nonsense, okay? Four million people watching a fight is better than two million people watching a fight. It's really that simple. So, you know, whatever the TV ratings are, we can hope that it gets better for boxing. But the problem will be PBC has to eventually answer for some of the, the, the quality control issues they could run into. For instance, they like to introduce and, and advertise Deontay Wilder as the heavyweight champion of the world. It doesn't take much looking around to see that most people consider that to be Vladimir Klitschko. At some point, it has to be less about PBC and more about making, you know, for it to be a rousing success, you have to have that belief that you're seeing the best fighters. How did UFC really, you know, what was one of its big credibility boosters when it bought pride and you knew that almost all of the best fighters in the world were at UFC, so you knew what you were going to get. But if PBC means we're not seeing, you know, fights like Wilder, Klitschko down the road or you know, Danny Garcia versus Terrence Crawford, any of those kind of fights, that's a that's a mitigating factor for its success. And you talked about Vladimir Klitschko. We saw him last week against Brian Jennings. Your thoughts on that fight? I, I thought it was fine. I think some people got a little too excited about how Brian Jennings did. I thought he won more rounds against Klitschko than we're used to seeing. I thought he gave a good body attack. But I think in Klitschko's, you know, on the Klitschko side, he is getting closer to 40. He was coming off maybe his best performance of his career, if not in many years. I mean, Kubrat Pulev was a qualified, legitimate top, you know, two, three heavyweight contender, and he destroyed him. He fought him with a chip on his shoulder, and uh, and he gave him the red ass, and that was good stuff. So I'm not sure what you were going to get here. Jennings is a little different fighter, um, but I think what you take away from Klitschko is it showed how important heavyweights are because that's the highest-rated fight on HBO this year. It was in New York City. It filled the garden. And, you know, heavyweights matter. Um, they can attract casual viewers unlike most other weight divisions. You have to have someone super special like a Pacquiao or Mayweather to make up for what still is the heavyweight advantage. We're talking to BoxingScene.com's Cliff Rold. And, Cliff, rank this fight. In terms of the biggest fights in the history of the sport, where do you think this fight will land? Financially, even adjusted for inflation, this will be the richest fight in boxing history. The the amount of revenue streams that they're able to capitalize on, the amount of money that's available, even with a smaller audience in the United States, for instance. I mean, there won't be as many people watching this fight in the United States as even watched fights like Ali Ron Lyle back in the day. I mean, Ali and Ron Lyle did like 70 mil million viewers on ABC during the daytime. So in terms of U.S. attention, 
you know, it's not going to be the most watched fight, but, you know, Ollie Frazier was closed circuit, so, you know, it didn't exactly have those kind of numbers either. Sometimes super fights have those smaller numbers. Everybody else sees it on the replay. Financial terms, it's huge. Globally, it's huge. This this is one of the biggest global fights ever. You know, you've got China watching. You've got Mexico. Like, the entire world will be watching on May the 2nd. In terms of significance, um, I mean, that's debatable. It's not Ali Frazier. Um, it, it's just not. It's not two undefeated fighters at the absolute peak of their powers uh, where the world stops for the fight. The world will stop this weekend, but it's not the same. These aren't two guys in their absolute prime, and everyone knows it. It's not Louis Schmeling, too, right? Adolf right. Hitler isn't going to shut off all the radios in Germany to, to avoid people hearing the knockout. It's not Jack Johnson and Jim Jeffries, right? You don't have Jack London putting aside, you know, writing about dogs or whatever he wrote about so that he could write Great White Hope garbage. So you don't have that. But in terms of just making the sporting world stop, I mean, when's the last time you saw a boxing match? You got an 8 o'clock ESPN primetime slot on a Tuesday. That's pretty damn big. That's big. That's, that's big time. How many pay-per-view buys are you expecting? Uh, my guess would be around 3 to 3.5. Okay. I think that's a, that's a good number. That's definitely uh, no four. You don't think four? No, nah, I don't think it'll hit four. Four is a lot, okay. man. I mean, think about lot. this. The, the, biggest non, the, the biggest fights in history were all, like, until Floyd and Oscar did 2.5. The biggest fights were around one nine, you know, just shy of two million. Um, I think maybe one other one might have hit up there. So we've only had two or I think three. I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. But two I know for sure fights that cross that two million barrier. Definitely. Four, you're gonna double it, and <laughs> and it's it's the most expensive pay per view in history by like thirty bucks. Nah, I don't see that. That's that's a lot. Um, I think you're gonna have a lot of people though crowding houses. Um, you're going to get calls from your relatives that never call who are wanting to come by for the fight. And when they call, you know, just some advice to anybody that's listening. If you get calls from people you don't see, if you haven't seen in a while, make sure you tell them to bring some food because they're, they're just coming to move anyway. So. <laughs> Do you think that price is too high? No. You have a I problem don't. with it? No. In fact, and here's why. If you go back in time and you look at the prices for closed circuit tickets for things like Ollie Frazier, this isn't that far off. It's a, I think even adjusted for inflation, it's a little more expensive, but you have the luxury of watching at home, and you can defer costs, right? Like when you went to closed circuit, you know, you were spending $10, which I think adjusted for inflation is around 70 or 80 now, you know, 40 years later. So you were buying your ticket solo, and so everyone you went with was spending the same amount of money. Now, I mean, you could have five people over your house. If everybody wants to chip in 20 bucks. Boom, the pay-per-views pay for. If somebody else wants to bring the food, you defer costs that way. If everybody else wants to bring liquor, and by God, everybody should, then you defer costs that way. And uh, and and so I don't think a hundred dollars is too much. Not for not for, you know, this fight. Maybe for other fights, if they start trying to gouge us on other fights, then people can complain. Hundred bucks for this weekend, not a big deal. Now Floyd calls himself TBE. If he wins this fight, where does that put him in terms of all-time great? I think the winner of this fight will 10 to 20 years from now, because you're going to have, you know, current skeptics, right? People who look at it and, and they, they have a hard time, you know, placing things in the now. But five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, the winner of this fight will be almost universally regarded as among the top 20 fighters of all time, um, potentially top 10. But we'll we'll see. That's a tough nut to crack. I mean, top 10, you know, you're talking about guys like Robinson and Pep and Ezra Charles who – 
who fought more Hall of Fame, you know, who who had as many fights against Hall of Famers as guys like Floyd Manning have title fights. So, you know, that's that's a tougher one to crack, but it's not impossible. Um, the last guy, modern guy, who really got into that conversation was Sugar Ray Leonard, and he had to beat Hearns, Duran, Hagler, and Benitez. So, you know, that that's a that's a level of co- uh, of competition that you have to consider. Um, I think it will be easier in Pacquiao's case to get considered that high if he beat Mayweather because, A, he's the underdog, and, B, he would have won the legitimate welterweight championship of the world after starting out as the legitimate flyweight champion of the world. And I think over time people would look at that and go, this is absolutely absurd. Um, you know, there's there's not many fighters in history that could cross those sort of weight spans and still be a badass. Sam Langford could do it. You know, Tommy Hearns did it to a degree. It's rare. Now, Cliff, we got to get your prediction. Who wins Saturday night, MGM Grand, May 2nd, Mayweather Pacquiao? Who walks away with the W? This is the way I've written it for everybody that asked me, you know, and, and my picks are up at a couple of different places. Manny Pacquiao can win this fight. He's quick enough, he hits hard enough, he's tenacious enough, and he's awkward enough to throw Floyd off his game and steal enough rounds to win a decision. Or, you know, there's always the chance he could stop him, although I think Floyd's chin is one of his most underrated assets, and I think I have a hard time envisioning him being stopped unless, you know, Pacquiao really lays it on him over the course of a fight. So Manny can win. I think Floyd will win. Um, in matches between great offensive and great defensive fighters, it, it's especially one like Floyd, who's never officially lost a fight. Um, all respect to Jose Luis Castillo, who I thought did beat him in their first fight. Um, you know, with Floyd, it, it's just hard to pick against him. He's got the consistency. Uh, he, he's the he's sort of the naturally bigger guy. He's the longer guy, and his his strengths could nullify Manny's strengths. He's going to catch him coming in in spots. I mean, Manny almost has to fight a, a perfect fight. Floyd really just has to fight a Floyd fight. What are the chances that we see this again? If there's a draw, you could potentially see it again. If Manny wins, I think you see it again, but I think it's a tough negotiation and you might not see it again until next year. If Floyd wins, you'll never see this fight again. (laughs) I mean, you just won't. I was hoping to see it again. Unless it was a highly controversial decision, at which point you still might not see it again. Right. It's going to be fun for sure. Cliff, I know BoxingScene.com has a lot of great things out there uh, as we come closer to the fight. Talk about some of the great things going on at BoxingScene.com as we lead up to this big fight. For the listeners out there, I've had a series uh, going on for a few weeks, uh, about six weeks now, looking at every single fight for Floyd and Manny since they each won their first world title in late 1998 and the parallels between their career as they worked their way towards this fight over the course of the last 17 years. Um, people know how long Floyd's been a champion. People often forget that Manny Pacquiao won his first world title two months after Floyd. They've run neck and neck. Um, we just didn't know for a long time that this is where we were headed, and that's sort of the excitement of finding out where your destination is as the story unfolds. Um, had that series, the final installment will run tomorrow night, looking at their fights in 2013 and 2014. Um, on Friday night, we'll be running a wild preview for the fight. Uh, it'll have my pick in there, although everyone's heard that here. Um, but I really wanted to do a statistical breakdown of the two fighters, unlike what, <clears throat> unlike some of the other stuff that's out there. So, you know, we've seen the stuff about them against common opponents and sort of their title fight stats, but how do they look in the divisions they competed in a lot? So how does Manny's run at junior lightweight compare to Floyd's title run at junior lightweight? How do they look at welterweight against each other? Who fought more rated fighters in the division? Who fought, you know, the better competition? 
What do the numbers tell us? That kind of thing. And there's going to be a lot of statistics plus a timeline of all their wins over various world champions over the years to kind of give you a perspective on just how big of a picture they've created for each other. So, fans, make sure you go there, BoxingScene.com. Also, support this man on Twitter, at Rolled Boxing, and support all the great things going on with Cliff Rolled, BoxingScene.com. Cliff, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Moving forward, let's do it again. Absolutely. We'll talk again, Paul. Peace, brother. Take care. Cliff Rolled, BoxingScene.com. It's here. I can't believe it. Mayweather, Pacquiao, this close. can taste it. Three days away, I can taste it, and it tastes good. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I just don't see anything in the playoffs, time. In the playoffs, time, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> second hour of Go For It, second half hour of Go For It, starting right now in this half hour, expect to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And also as we go throughout the course of this half hour, we're going to talk Mayweather Pacquiao, but we're also going to talk about it from a different standpoint. Obviously, you're going to get my prediction for Mayweather Pacquiao, but you're going to get the notion of good and evil as we talk about this and uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao are going to get my thoughts on that. And um, also, you know, what's going to happen in the NFL draft, I'll give you my thoughts on that. Where's Mariota go? Where's Winston go? I'll tell you. And also we'll touch on some NBA playoffs as we uh, get on out of here in this half hour. Let's go to Mayweather and Pacquiao right now. Let's go back to Mayweather and Pacquiao. But let's go all outside the ring. A lot has been made of Floyd Mayweather and a lot of his uh, domestic uh, violence disputes. He's had some issues. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, with hitting women. There's no, there's, there's no getting around that he did jail time for hitting his uh, one of his uh, one of the moms, one of the mothers, excuse me, of his uh, three children. So it, it, there's no doubt about it. Floyd Mayweather has had some issues when it comes to domestic violence and had some issues when it comes to keeping hands, keeping his hands to himself. But I'll say this, and and here's the thing, and it, it comes down to this. Charles Barkley once said, "I'm not a role model," and he's right. He's not a role model. As much as we want him to be a role model, he's not. Only thing he's good at, he's he's good at uh, putting the ball in the basket. He was good at rebounding the basketball. He was good at all those things. Doesn't mean he's good at being a role model. Doesn't mean he's the person that you should emulate. At least not. And, and at the end of the day, you shouldn't emulate anybody. Not not every. Not all the characteristics of a person, because a person is flawed and a person has issues. 
But here's what I say about that. Here's what I say about this whole situation. Um, I don't look for my athletes to be my role models. I don't look for my athletes to set the tone for my life and set the tone for, for my kids, my children's life. I don't do it. You're an athlete. You play football good. You, you play basketball good. You box very well. But you're not my role model. You're not the, people, the, the person I emulate. You're not the person that I uh, uh, strive to be like. And I, I think we, we, we put these athletes on a pedestal and we put them on uh, this, this, we put them in a situation that they're not equipped to handle. We, we say that they have to be our role models. We, we, we say that we have to, you know, we, the kids, you've got to be role models for the kids. You have to be the role models for the kids. We say all those things. But at the end of the day, they're just an athlete. They, 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 they play basketball well. They box well. They hit a baseball well. They, 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 they run a football well. They throw a football well. But it doesn't mean they're great people. And it doesn't mean we should look to them to be great people. Look to them for what they really do. They entertain you. Don't expect anything more than that. Just get the entertainment from them. And don't expect anything more. That's not their job to give you anything more. They're not your your pastor at your church. You know, they're 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 not a politician as far as I'm concerned. Those are the people that you should that, that are, are people that you should truly respect and emulate. But politicians, they're human. And they let you down all the time. Athletes will let you down all the time. So we can talk about Floyd Mayweather and some of his dis- domestic disputes, and it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable at all. It's never acceptable to touch a woman as a man. It's not. But I look at Floyd Mayweather. I don't look at Floyd Mayweather as a role model. I don't ask my kids to say, Look at Floyd Mayweather and be like him. I don't say that, nor will I. I don't say to my kids, look at Manny Pacquiao, be like him. I would say to my kids, there goes Barack Obama, be like him. Be like him. And I'm sure he has flaws too. He's a man. But the bottom line is this, and we could call Floyd a uh, a vile human being, a bad person, and maybe he is, maybe he's not. But this whole good and evil thing, Manny Pacquiao's this good guy, and, and you know he, he had this religious transformation, but he was out there too, womanizing and and, and gambling and excessively drinking. Again, not against the law, not against the law, but at the end of the day. He's a guy that a lot of people say this is a good versus evil, and he's the good one. Stop it. Stop it. And I know a lot of the times these, these things are, are done to sell fights. I, 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 you know, it's good. Good versus evil always sells. It always sells. It, it, it always is good for business. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm not, you know, Manny Pacquiao is a man. Floyd Mayweather is a man. But these are men that are athletes, and 
These are not the guys that, I mean, because it, and, and truth is, most of us have a better chance to be a doctor, lawyer, um, teacher. You know, we have better chance, we have better opportunity to be that than to be a professional athlete. You know, it, you know how many, there's it's basketball, 15 players on a roster, 30 teams. 15 players on a roster, 30 teams. And you're competing worldwide with athletes all across the world. That's 450 spots. 450 spots. How many lawyers are out there? How many doctors are out there? How many teachers are out there? A whole heck of a lot of them. So there's 450 spots in the National Football League. 450 spots. You look at the NFL. Theoretically, 1,696, about 1,700-plus spots available to play in the National Football League. That includes practice squad and things of that nature. It's difficult. It's difficult. So it's easier to be teacher, lawyer, doctor, to be professional athlete. So these are not the guys you should be striving to be like because these guys are are an anomaly. These guys are – it's difficult to be these guys. These guys are the exception and not the rule. But we're also, in terms of trying to be like these guys, don't try to be like them as people. Don't try to be like them. Don't look for athletes to be your role models. Don't look for athletes to set the tone, the pace for your life. Don't do it because you'll be disappointed. You'll be let down every time. Every single time you'll be let down, every single time you'll be disappointed, every single time you'll say, wow, you'll be let down. And so Floyd Mayweather is no role model, as we've seen. As we've seen, he's no role model at all. Manny Pacquiao, he's not really much of a role model as well. As a matter of fact, there's not many athletes who are role models. Michael Jordan, great NBA player, but he had some issues as well. He had some issues as well. Great great player. Maybe the greatest who ever done it, but he had issues as well. So, you can say Floyd's a bad human being, and maybe he is. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, don't look for these guys to set the tone on how you should live your life. Don't look to them. Don't look to them at all. At all. And and don't be surprised if they don't live the way you want them to live. Don't be surprised. Accept these guys for what and who they are. And accept that they are there Saturday night to entertain you. Manny is there to entertain you. Floyd is there to entertain you. Pay your $100 and enjoy it. Pay your 100 and enjoy it. Or if you're very fortunate enough to be able to afford to get into the MGM Grand Arena on May 2nd, you can do that as well. I mean, people are paying mortgage. It's a mortgage. You know, you can get a house for, for, for some of the money people are paying to watch this fight. 
You can get a house for that kind of money. But it's beautiful, man. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm super excited for the fight. Mayweather Pacquiao, it is finally going to happen. Woo! Can't believe it. I can't believe it. But anyway, Mayweather Pacquiao, and again, before I get out of here, anyway, let me leave it as this. Don't look for these guys to be the role models for your children. Don't look for them to be that. They're, that that's not their role. That's not who they are as people. They have issues just like you, just like me, for sure. Andrew Wiggins wins the Rookie of the Year award. Not really a surprise there. I mean, Wiggins, from start to finish, had the best rookie season. Nerlens Noel uh, came on strong down the stretch there. And you could have made a case for Nerlens Noel. But at the end of the day, Andrew Wiggins, a great rookie season. Wouldn't the Cavaliers love to have Andrew Wiggins possibly right now? I mean, you have the situation with Kevin Love, dislocated shoulder, probably out for the playoffs at this point. You know, and it was uh, was it dirty uh, by Atlantic? I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was questionable. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that it was dirty, but I thought at the end of the day it was kind of questionable. I really did. Um, was it as dirty as J.R. Smith's swipe to the face? No, it wasn't as dirty as that because that was really dirty. That was super dirty. Dude, that was very dirty. Doesn't get much dirtier than that. But, I mean, obviously, uh, J.R. Smith. And I wonder if Crowder would have tore his ACL instead of spraining it, if J.R. Smith would have been out for more than two games. That would have been interesting, but J.R. Smith, and obviously I wouldn't want to see uh, Jay Crowder tear his ACL at all. So, the, you know, let's, let's get rid of that. But, you know, obviously J.R. Smith, who always been somewhat, somewhat of a loose cannon throughout the course of his career, um, you know, he swung, he connected, and he dropped him. And, you know, that was a physical game that came for you. Yeah, Perk. I mean, how about Jay Crowder? Jay Crowder took a beat down in that game. Perk. Kendrick Perkins uh, picking him and basically, what, throwing his, you know, he was just throwing his arms at him. Uh, that was dirty. And then you had uh, J.R. Smith and his thing. That was dirty. And you had Atlantic. And, you know, you could argue that was dirty as well. He's been suspended for next year opening game. And, you know, there's 82 of them. So was one. We have 82 games to play. But, you know, you, you just look at it. And obviously Cleveland's going to be a much different it's going to be interesting how Cleveland responds without uh, Kevin Love. I almost believe that they're better off, not better off without Kevin Love, but I think J.R. Smith is just as important as Kevin Love. We've seen instances where, you know, Kevin Love wasn't finishing games. Obviously, you know, you obviously would love to have that stretch four in Kevin Love, a guy who could knock down a three, a guy that could score the basketball, could rebound the basketball. But I think I think Cleveland, obviously it's a, it's a setback, but I think Cleveland – will be okay. I think they'll be okay, and, and I think they'll, it'll be enough for them to get out of the Eastern Conference. I saw in watching the Chicago Bulls and, you know, who, the Cavaliers probably will play next uh, round, but watching the Chicago Bulls, I mean, I, I see the team that, you know, obviously they went up 3-0 against Milwaukee. It's been a close series. They went up 3-0 against Milwaukee, but Milwaukee's won the last two games. But Chicago's been very sloppy with the ball. They're they're a team that really doesn't take care of the basketball much. And, and I feel like, you know, Cleveland is going to make them pay for that. Uh, LeBron is going to make them pay for that. Kyrie is going to make them pay for that. They really are. And if you're the Chicago Bulls, you know, you want to get a lot of rest for your, your stars, Derrick Rose, your, your Pau Gasol, 
guys who who are above uh, the guys. Uh, well, Derrick Rose with the injuries and Paul Casal, who's a veteran now at this point in his career. You want to get those guys as much rest as possible, and I say this all the time: you don't want to play extra football, a basketball game. And you know, Chicago instead of, didn't do what they had to do to close this team out, and now they're having to play, you know, two maybe three more extra games. They had to play two. They had to play one. They had to play two more already because they couldn't close out in game four. Jared Bayless hit the buzzer beater, butter buzzer beater, excuse me. And then in game five. They couldn't close out. Michael Carter Williams had a great, great game, and and then the Bucks played. They had a great performance, and the Bucks won that game. So you had opportunities, chances to, to put teams away, and they didn't do it. And now the Bucks are sticking around, and instead of uh, resting right now, you're playing extra ball games. You know, now you're going to have to play a game on Thursday night, and if you don't close them out in Milwaukee, well, then guess what? You're going to have to play one more game. So. I think it's imperative that Chicago closes out Milwaukee on Thursday night, get them out of there, you know, and get ready for Cleveland. I, I think it's imperative that they do it. You don't want to go to a game seven uh, and, you know, you've got the Cavaliers there resting. you got the Cavaliers there waiting for you to come. They're rested. They're well rested, and they're waiting for you to come. So you don't want that to be the case. You don't. So I look at that game on a Thursday night. The Cavaliers have to, not the Cavaliers. The, the the Bulls have to put them away. And you got the Atlanta Hawks and the Brooklyn Nets. Game five in Atlanta. Brooklyn with two great performances. Game three and four. Darren Williams turned back the clock in game four. And that game's at halftime at this point. Atlanta's up 53-44 to 44 at the break. They jumped out early on Brooklyn, and, and they hold the lead now, 53-44. to 44. And I was, as I've been watching this series, you know, I, I, a lot of times, not, I, I, a lot of times, yes, I was going through and watching the series, I'm thinking, who is the number eight seed and who is the number one seed? I, I thought if I closed my eyes and, and didn't know that Brooklyn was eight and Atlanta was one, I, would, I, I wouldn't have known because I, I feel like it's pretty close. I feel like it's a pretty close uh, series with these two teams. And Brooklyn, I think, has a legitimate shot to knock off the Atlanta Hawks in this series. Obviously, it helps when you get big-time performances like the way you got from Darren Darren Williams. And and if Darren Williams can continue to play the way he played in game four, obviously that helps your cause. That helps your cause big time. But right now, Darren Williams at the break is struggling one for five with only two points. So he's, at this point, he's off to a slow start. Another half of basketball to be played, but he's off to a slow start. And maybe, just maybe, he can step it up in that uh, second half. But, you know, Darren Williams, much criticized throughout the course. Paul Pierce got after him, you know. um, And he's been criticized roundly by a lot of people. He's not the guy that maybe he thought he was. I mean, you know, we, we, we thought... That Darren Williams, for many, for much of us, and, and from what, a few years ago, the talk was who's better, Chris Paul or Darren Williams. You know, we've been talking about Darren Williams and Chris Paul, who's better, and it was debatable. At this point, there is no debate, and so Darren Williams, he's been roundly criticized. Obviously, he's making big time money, and when the Nets got Darren Williams, they thought they got themselves a franchise type guy, 
but he hasn't been that. And, and you can argue that Jaron Jack played him at a lot of points of this season. So you look at this situation now, Darren Williams is a guy that we thought of as, as a big-time point guard, and now we're thinking differently. And for his sake, hopefully, well, maybe the pressure is off on some level. Maybe the pressure is off because a lot of people are really not expecting Darren Williams to be great any longer. They're not expecting Darren Williams to be the guy that he once was. So maybe the pressure is off on some level. The pressure is off on Darren to go out there and just be him and just, you know, perform. But you saw game two where he had that shot, baseline shot, rims out, and he struggled in that game. I mean, game four was a breakout game for Darren Williams. And, you know, if he could play like that again, maybe Atlanta can steal, uh, not Atlanta, maybe Brooklyn can steal this series. But I look for this to go seven now. I really do. I think it's going seven. And I think, you know, obviously you had the Hawks last season who was the eighth seed against the uh, Indiana Pacers, and they took the Indiana Pacers seven games. And we'll see if turnabout is fair play and that the Brooklyn Nets will take the Atlanta Hawks to seven games, and the Atlanta Hawks being the number one seed now and the Brooklyn Nets being the AFC. We'll see. We'll see. And also, I mean, you look at just going around other series in these playoffs. How about uh, the Raptors and, and the Wizards? And, you know, Paul Pierce, you know, talking some truths before the series and, you know, just being the truth, backing it up and just playing big-time basketball, making big-time shots. And, you know, Toronto just went out you – know, they just went out horribly in that game four. I mean, it was a blowout, and they didn't show any pride. They didn't show just any effort. They were just beat up and beat down by this uh, Washington Wizards team. And I had Toronto winning that series in seven. I thought Toronto may have learned a valuable lesson from what they uh, experienced last season against the uh, Brooklyn Nets in that first-round series. But it really was a disappointment from my standpoint to see how uh, Toronto played in this series, and it gets swept. And to have the home court advantage get swept, lose the first two games at your building to the Washington Wizards, and then just get beat up in Washington and get kicked out of the, uh, the playoffs and just beat up. I mean, the Wizards just beat up on the Toronto Raptors. It was not even close. It wasn't close at all. And, and, and you know, Toronto, I, I was hoping Toronto would, would have a better performance. I was hoping Toronto... Would, would just I expected Toronto to be better. I expected Toronto to be better. And I was shocked when they weren't better. And I, I, I mean, obviously, you don't expect a, I didn't expect a sweep. I mean, if Toronto was going to lose, I expect them to lose in maybe six or seven. Not a sweep. And it wasn't close. And, and kudos to Paul Pierce who talked a lot of, a lot of noise. Talked a lot of noise before this series started and ultimately backed up the noise that he talked. And I remember him, you know, shooting. That was that game. What was that game three where he shot that three and he mouthed. That's why you read his lips and he said, this is why. That's why they brought me here. That's why they brought me here. And obviously they brought him here to be the truth, to be nothing but the truth, and ultimately to take the Washington Wizards to the next level and take the Washington Wizards to the next round. We'll see how long or far the Wizards can go, but they have the, they'll probably have the Atlanta Hawks next. 
and that's to me that's that's an interesting series. And I think the Brooklyn Nets can definitely hang in that series. Had the Atlanta Hawks going to the Eastern Conference Finals, I still believe that's the case. But time will tell. Brooklyn, I mean, excuse me, uh, the Wizards are definitely not a slouch. Definitely not a slouch. And they're going to be a tough out for the Atlanta Hawks. Should be fun. I can't wait. I can truly, I can't truly wait. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the next few rounds of these playoffs. These playoffs have been great. San Antonio, and they're heating up a little bit. I mean, they got off to a slow start, but they're heating up a little bit, especially in the East where, you know, Brooklyn, even their series, and Milwaukee's making it in a series against the Bulls. You know, obviously the Pelicans got swept by Golden State. Houston beat up on Dallas, beat them in five. Memphis is up 3-1 against Portland. We'll see what happens tonight if Memphis can close them out. But, I mean, it's been a lot of fun thus far. Obviously, you would love, 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 love to see what we saw last season with a whole bunch of Game 7s. But I don't think that's – obviously that's not going to happen this year. But hopefully we can get some Game 7s. Hopefully that bulls Buck series can go 7. Hopefully uh, the Atlanta and um, uh, the Hawks can go 7 as well. Let's go back to the big fight now. Been waiting for five, six years for this fight to finally come together. An opportunity to see, you know, maybe the, this is the fight of this century at this point. This is the fight of the century. You know, to to have these two guys, obviously, as Cliff Rold pointed out, they're not at their prime. They're not at their peak, but they're still two very good fighters and still can get it done at very high levels. You know, you always thought that maybe these two would get it on when it was too late, but it's not too late. And maybe you can argue it's just in time. Maybe it's just on time. But Floyd, Manny, for it all, two guys who we talked about throughout the course of, what, last five to ten years as pound-for-pound great. Pound-for-pound great over the past, what, last, what, I can say last five to ten years we've been talking about it. And these two pound-for-pound giants, these two pound-for-pound great are finally getting into the ring. I look at this fight, and, you know, you question, as Cliff talked about, speed, the power. You know, maybe Pacquiao has more power. Maybe Mayweather has more speed. But I think Mayweather is the bigger, he is the naturally bigger guy. And as you look at, as I saw them face-to-face, <clears throat> excuse me, at the introductory press conference, and Floyd was noticeably bigger. He was noticeably bigger. And so, excuse me. <clears throat> so as we look at this fight, and who has given Manny Pacquiao fits over the years? <clears throat> Juan Manuel Marquez, who is a counterpuncher. Manny can be hit. Manny can most definitely be hit. And <clears throat> Floyd being a naturally bigger guy, Floyd being the defensive wizard, <clears throat> a defensive genius that he is, I look at this fight, and I have to favor Floyd Mayweather in it. I just do. He's a great counterpuncher. Manny gets hit often, gets hit a lot. <clears throat> and Manny will, is willing to give a little to get a little. 
You know, he, he's willing to, 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 to take some. He's going to take some hits. And so I look at it this way. It's going to be up to Manny to try to get Floyd early. We've seen guys, Ab Judah, have success early against Floyd. Shane Mosley, that second round where he almost had Floyd out. We've seen fighters have success against Floyd Mayweather early on. The key is for Manny Pacquiao to get Floyd early until Floyd, you know, Floyd, once he gets that data on you, once he's seen you, once he gets that scouting report, he's, he's tough to beat. He just turns it on and he dominates. We've seen it for 47 fights. So I think if Manny's going to win this fight, Manny has to have success early. And he has to build up early, build up some points early. <laughs> if he doesn't do it, he's not going to have a shot in this fight. Ultimately, Floyd's a great counterpuncher. Floyd's a better defensive uh, fighter. Floyd's a better boxer. I like Floyd. Unanimous decision. I see I a close fight, maybe some 116, 112s, maybe 115, 113. But I like Floyd Mayweather in this fight. Mayweather wins this fight. It's going to be fun. MGM Graham. May 2nd. Make sure you check it out. I want to thank Todd Stucey for stopping by. Also want to thank BoxingScene.com's Cliff Rold for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgamer. You can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for again. We're expected, we were expected to be joined by Willie Rove. That's not going to happen. Hopefully we can get Willie back on another time. For everybody here, go for it. Enjoy May 2nd. Enjoy it. It's going to be fun. Mayweather Pacquiao, I can't wait. See you later. Bye.